0: homeschool friends, and welcome to this episode of the Homeschool High School Podcast from SevenSistersHomeschool.com, brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. I am Sabrina, and I'm here this morning with... Marilyn. And it's just the two of us today. Vicki couldn't make it, so we're going to talk about her and... In- No. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No, we won't do that. We'll behave. If we were going to talk about her, we would only say nice things because sisters always get along and they never disagree about anything. I wouldn't know. (laughs) All right. So today we're talking about very concrete, practical life skills that teens need for high school success. Exactly. And um, we often, as homeschool moms, worry about academic preparation for high school. And we get... Lots of panicked emails from parents of middle schoolers. Right, about
1: math and science and writing. and. Yep, so usually the stress all sits there
0: with, have we done enough and have we done the right things to prepare? But there's a whole other piece of high school preparation that is, dare I say it, perhaps more important than the right pre-algebra course.
1: <laughs> it will take you into life as well as high school. Right. Okay, so we're gonna go through
0: um, some of the things that we have most often seen teens struggle with or unprepared for. And um, then we're going to try to offer some practical suggestions for how you can prepare your teen in these areas that are often overlooked. And if you have a teen who is type A, super responsible, perhaps hyper responsible, then you're probably not dealing with much of this. So. Good Probably treat. not. You you may be working with them on stress management later in high school because our type <laughs> that can be really important. <laughs> it really can. And this is a funny thing. There's not a right or wrong to this. There are so many different personality types, and um, some of our kids who come in as these rock star ninth graders who are just so on top of everything and they're they're managing all these details. And by by junior year, some of them are really. Overloaded, burned out, out anxiety-ridden, yeah. not sleeping. So there's a downside
1: to the hyper-responsible kids. Um, exactly. There's And just stressing about every grade and every activity and are they doing enough? <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's where we start is take
0: an honest look at your kids' personality and their basic wiring and what has school and life been like in seventh and eighth grade and sort of get a feel for is this one that I'm going to need to really concretely instill some of these high school management skills or is this a kid who already takes to it
1: naturally and we're going to want to talk
0: about finding balance coming into high school
1: and that is a hard thing to figure out and some of your students might have a little bit of both
0: Yeah, actually, probably a lot of them do. (laughs) A lot of them do. A lot of them do. And they're going to go through seasons where they struggle with it more and seasons where they're on top of it. Most of my kids at the beginning of a new school year were pretty awesome. And then some of them (laughs) by the end of October were kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, and getting a little sloppy with it. And so it's, it's, that's normal.
1: As homeschool moms, sometimes around February, we have a down time when we don't really care about school either, so... Yes, the February Blahs. Exactly. (laughs) Now, what we always did during the
0: February Blahs as moms is we would start brainstorming all the fun things we wanted to do next school year so that we didn't have to think about finishing this school year. (laughs) But um, yeah, dreaming is good in its place, but then there's the whole follow-through thing. So let's talk about follow-through. Okay, first thing, once you've looked at your kid and said, yeah, this is one that I want to to actively prepare for life management in high school a little bit. Um, one of the things to talk about, just in a really global sense, is the balance of ownership in high school, because there are lots of references to this in blog posts at sevensistershomeschool.com and in other episodes of the Homeschool High School podcast that we really feel like high school is an important time for that balance of responsibility to shift and where mom has been so much responsible or dad depending on how involved he is in the day-to-day um parts of of homeschool but where the parent has taken that responsibility for okay we're going to make sure that this gets done and that we're following our schedule and that you know this book gets crossed off by this date and that this project is done by this date all of that sort of it's on me to make sure it gets done needs to begin to shift and it can't just shift like that. It can't just be a boom. Okay, well, now you're in high school, so you manage it. But that high school should be a time for gradually passing that baton, so that by the time they've graduated and are heading to college or into the workforce or into the military or into full-time ministry, that they already have that sense of managing themselves. So what do you what do you see as um, some of the earliest areas that it, it works well to begin passing that baton in certain areas, Marilyn.
1: So depending on what kind of curriculum you're using or what your situation is, here we have done a lot of group classes. So those are syllabus driven and letting the student have the syllabus and work from the syllabus on their own. But usually for ninth graders, you need to then go back and check that they actually did all of the assignments and they actually have to hand them in. Yeah, you know,
0: it's funny, but that gets lost. And actually, I'm sure it's bad for for kids in traditional school. I I know it's bad for kids in homeschool, and part of it is because when my kids... I did it. I was guilty of it. When my kids were younger, frequently, they would leave a paper somewhere, and if I saw it, I would just pick it up. If I knew they were done, I would just pick it up and put it with my pile to grade. And I probably shouldn't have done that because they didn't have to... Hand it in. And I had one kid in particular who was terrible about handing stuff in in high school. And
1: we see that with a bunch of them. And I will suggest to students that they have a backpack that is only for going to classes with folders in there. So as soon as you finish the assignment, you can put it in there. But I've also seen kids sit in class while everyone else is handing things in. And until you say, did you hand your homework in? They just just seem oblivious to what's happening around them, and you'll know those students. You'll know if yours is one of those, and probably if they are, you've been guilty of the same yourself, because it usually works that way. It usually does.
0: So let's talk about the syllabus a little bit, because there's a lot of room for different approaches, even for a high school syllabus-driven class. Now... We, we expect the syllabus model in a college class and um, any of us who ever took any classes in college, we know the drill. The professor gives you the syllabus and you're responsible for what's on it and doesn't really matter whether they ever remind you of anything because you had
1: the syllabus, so you were responsible for it. Exactly. If it says that there was a paper due on October 9th and the professor never mentioned it again, in the very least, you should ask if he still expects you to do that. But if you don't ask and he it still wants it, oh well.
0: Yeah, you're responsible. So in high school, we've we've done a lot of variety as far as the level of detail in the syllabus for classes mm-hmm. in our local community. Um, and I even created a syllabus for classes that we just did independently at home too. So this is not just for co-op classes. You can you can do this with classes that you teach um, just uh, independently in your own homeschool. So sometimes it's just a very general, um, if you're using a traditional textbook that this week you're supposed to complete the reading and the questions for this half of chapter one and this week you're supposed to, it can be really simple. Um, we have, we have a friend who has taught biology and chemistry regularly over the last several years in our local community. And we we joke that her, her syllabus is so detailed that there are moments that say, you know, now stop and go to the bathroom and then come back and do number 14. You know, there's a lot of detail, very
1: thick, a lot of assignments as well, but very detailed syllabus. So, so it's really possible to sit there and literally check off. Exactly. Each Each thing as you go.
0: Yeah. And that can be super important for a kid who really struggles with following directions, with attention to detail. Um, it can look overwhelming when it's handed to you though.
1: Yeah. When it's multiple pages of syllabus for the first quarter, uh-huh. it's a little scary. Uh-huh. And so, one of the things I noticed with um, different ways to do a syllabus is that at least one of my children who is, has some ADD, he did better with bulleted lists than with anything that just scrolled across the page. He would read part of it and do that part and have totally be oblivious to the fact that he missed half of the assignment. So again,
0: knowing your kid and honestly evaluating and not just looking at them and evaluating it for yourself, but having a conversation with them to help them become more self-aware that this is an area that is hard for me. And I typically do better if things are color coded so i need to color code my syllabus or exactly. i typically do better with checklists so i need to create a checklist from my syllabus for each week yeah it's it's okay to to just say these are things i struggle with and then create coping strategies that are going to work
1: well for you right now we do have one friend who has taught physics who and and these are 11th and 12th graders so this isn't the younger age she for part of the year makes them actually write out what they intend to do each day, how long they anticipate it's going to take them to do that section, and then how long it actually took them. Because she was finding that kids were underestimating how long some sections were going to be. So if they left it to the last minute, it wasn't just a matter of, oh, I didn't do this. It was, I didn't leave myself enough time. Wow. Okay, that's a massive life lesson, and
0: there's probably <laughs> some of us moms who would really do well doing something like that with life management. So uh, again, we're not just talking about managing high school skills, we're talking about life skills, um, because that whole thing of, I thought I was going to hammer this out in an hour. I mean, that is the story of my life. Exactly. Right
1: <laughs> oh, I have 15 minutes. Let me clean this closet. Uh-huh. Three hours later, uh-huh. you're still they come working. searching for you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, similar to the sort of an extension of that then is um, teaching our kids to do triage on their assignments. So if you have a project for history and you have a paper for your writing class and you have um, a bunch of math to get done and you have to decide what am I going to work on and when And how do you decide and what are the things that you're going to need someone else to help you with and what are the things that you're going to need a lot of quiet and and low distractions and all those kinds
1: of things. What do you need to be fresh to do? Yeah. Some kids really need to be fresh to do those math math problems, but they'll crank out a paper even if it's, Mm -hmm. you know, last minute, middle of the night kind of thing. Some kids are night owls,
0: and that was hard for me. One of mine was definitely a night owl, and the truth was his work was significantly better if I let him do it starting after dinner. And I'm not talking that every homeschool day we did nothing until after, but just times that he was was working on um, his science and his math and his history in general. He did great at night, and I am not a night owl. Okay, so triage to figure out what's due the soonest what do I need access to mom for help or somebody else? For or help. the library. Yeah. Or
1: if you share a computer that yeah. you need to share that or certain reference books or anything that you might need. So
0: sometimes you're looking at, at assignments for three classes and you're thinking, um, well, I should get the first one done first. And that's not necessarily true. And and a life skill is is to look at things and say, what is actually the highest priority for work in this chunk of time and why. And that's, again, that's not an easy thing and it's something you're going to use the rest of your life. And so beginning to talk about those things and beginning to talk your child through the process for themselves in ninth grade and in 10th grade is really helpful. And hopefully by the time they're in that senior year, they're going to be doing that on their own.
1: But it's going to be a gradual process. And you might have to... Give them carte blanche to work on it on their own in the subject that they're really comfortable with. But need to sit with them for that one that they struggle to complete or, you know, it's not an all or none. Okay, now you're on your own and now you're not. And sometimes you have to let them take the consequences of that C or D for being late or not completing it. That's a tough thing
0: for a lot of us homeschool moms is allowing... An arena for failure, where it's a limited amount of failure that is going to allow them to experience consequences. And um, oftentimes up until high school, we have made them do it until it's done right. Exactly. Which, there's there's merit in that Exactly. Approach. Mastery is a good thing. But there comes a time in life where we have to to give them enough leeway to kind of wreck it a little bit <laughs> in the hopes that they will that they will learn from that their their own um strategies for success and that they will really own that responsibility and oh it's painful for us cuz
1: it is painful or you know the consequences could be parent induced consequences such as no screen time you can't go to that party you wanted to go to mm. Right. There's lots of ways to have those consequences. I mean, in life, your credit card company enforces consequences if you don't that pay your do. bill on time. And that is part of life. That they do. Um,
0: Okay, so clear expectations is, is a big part of what we're talking about. And that is um, going to be necessary for... You communicating with your student as far as um, what part are they supposed to own and what part are you still going to help with for any particular subject? <clears throat> Excuse me, but then there's also the expectation of um, who's going to create the paper trail. Where are assignments going to go after they've been graded or after they're completed, so that they're in the right place for a portfolio review or for um, a, a year-end appointment? If you you know if you're part of an umbrella school organization or for studying for a final if it's a cumulative final
1: and you need those quizzes to look back at
0: good one and that's something true confession I did not start soon enough in high school Uh, I like that whole I like assembling and and organizing all the papers and I like to look at them (laughs) and put them in binders and put little dividers between them and all that kind of stuff and so I would often just sort of do that like I had done when they were younger. And for one of my kids, it was a non-issue because uh, she was super organized anyway. And that was just, she, she just sort of took it over from, she actually ended up telling me that the binder that I was using wasn't As pretty as she thought that it could be and so she was going to do her own portfolio this year because she wanted to decorate her binder and she wanted to organize things differently than I was doing it so she did a better job than I did but for my boys I kind of went ahead and did that and I really think I shouldn't have and then when they were stepping out after high school and we're starting to have to have life papers to keep track of um, you know stuff that indicated when their car had been inspected and when their brakes had been done and just just keeping track of their car maintenance and it was kind of a new idea. And I thought, oh, man, we should have been doing this with, with history papers in 10th grade because the it system is the, the life same. Game. Yeah. So what what's the expectation? Who's going to do what? Who is responsible for getting supplies together? And often that is still going to be the parent. And that can be a problem for outside classes. And this is, we're just going to, we're going to gripe a little bit from the outside end of it because we have been involved with our local community school for, so many years. We have struggled with when you send the book list out to the parents in July and the class begins in September and the students don't
1: have their book yet. In October (laughs) or November or December. (laughs) Yeah. And then they wonder why they're not getting A's in all of their work. And it's perhaps because that resource is missing. Um, If you have to
0: print papers and turn them in, you have to have a printer and ink.
1: You do and paper.
0: <laughs> Oddly enough, they
1: all go right. together. Yeah, because my printer was out of ink is the equivalent to my dog ate the homework.
0: It really is, and and it, boy, it happens a lot. And some of the time, I know printers run out of ink or printers go on the fritz. I I understand that. It should not be. That's just your oh well. You know, it, it, okay. you, you can you can stop someplace else and print something off. You can handwrite something neatly and turn it in and apologize for the fact that,
1: yes, the class is supposed to have things typed and printed. Exactly. But, you know, that, that shows a lot right. of responsibility. Or you can email it to the teacher before the time that the class started and then say, I emailed it to you, but I'll have a printed copy to you next time. And then follow. And that shows that you're being responsible because my printer ran out of ink. Makes me roll my eyes. I just assume the student didn't actually do the assignment. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate
0: that we assume that, but it really is. Today's the dog ate my homework. It it really is. So um, that's that's on the parent. Your kid, if they're going to take classes for someone else, and the expectation from that teacher is that work will be printed and handed in, then you have. To make it possible for your student <laughs> to print their work and hand it in. Communication with outside teachers. And we're, we're talking a lot about outside classes because we have found that most high schoolers take classes elsewhere. Not, not
1: all of them. At least one or two. But, at, right. Even at if it's online. Yeah. It's still an outside class. Yeah.
0: And if you choose not to do that and everything stays in-house, that, that is a different environment. These are still life skills, though. That you should be working on with your teen because they're going to need them.
1: They're going to need to follow deadlines and do exactly what a professor or boss or someone else tells them to do. Right. So communication
0: with um, a different teacher other than mom is a tricky dance for a lot of kids as they begin high school. You have, let's do the different personality types a little bit here. You have the kids who are extremely gregarious. Um, never met a stranger, are not at all intimidated to the point that they sometimes are perhaps a bit presumptuous and overly familiar with the adult who is teaching their physics class or whatever. Um, and they need to to be told before, you know, be sure that you are respectful, respectful polite, um, recognize that this teacher has more than just you in her classroom, or his classroom.
1: And might have boundaries as to when and how they want to have this communication happen mm-hmm. and
0: if your teacher says email me such and such and such and such then you should email them you should not stop and talk to them in the hall about it if your teacher says you can text me with questions about this assignment then you can text but you shouldn't call if the teacher says you can you know it's it's that respecting another person's boundaries and preferences um, because the teacher is an authority over that particular classroom, so
1: they get to kind of set the rules. Exactly, and in our day school, most of the teachers are available for a large chunk of time every day. Um, I team taught with Seven Sisters, Allison, and we set we had classes on Monday and Thursday, and we set caps on how late they could communicate with us the day before. Allison has church responsibilities Wednesday evening. I have occasional Wednesday evening meetings, but we knew there was no way for them to remember who had what. So we just said, after four o'clock on Wednesday, we're not necessarily available. So if you have a question, you need to ask it before that. Now, that should go into how you set your priorities of at least looking at the assignment Mm. to see if you have questions. Even if you think you can do that essay, no problem. You might want to at least look at the assignment and say, oh, do I have a question about how this needs to be done? Even if I'm not going to do it till after four o'clock Wednesday, I need to ask Ask the question. question. Very good and those midnight ones did not get responded to. I'm not a, I'm not a night owl.
0: Yeah. All right, so you have you have the overly gregarious kids that maybe need to learn a little bit about boundaries. You have the overly shy kids who have a very hard time advocating for themselves at all. So if they do have a question, they're afraid to ask it. Or if they do have a um if they find an error, you know, teachers make mistakes, and if if they find a mistake They don't want to say anything about it and and, and they're afraid that they're being a problem or whatever. And so we have to help kids like that find their voice and understand that it is not only okay to advocate for yourself, but it is your responsibility to. If you are a student in this class, you are here to successfully learn the material and do the work and earn the credit. And that might mean that you have to speak up and ask for clarification or for a correction on something or for help with something.
1: And if you do it respectfully, the teacher is generally okay with that. Now, in ninth grade, maybe mom will send some of those questions. By junior and senior year, you should probably be doing it because we kind of don't think your mom's going with you to college or into your workplace when right. you are done with high school. So again, there's that there's that gradual
0: passing of the baton, and it's okay for there to be more of, of mom helping and facilitating in ninth grade as long as you are working toward more of a release into independence in 11th and 12th grade. Um, as I'm looking over our list, these, these are the biggest things that we have seen sort of fall apart. And just to recap, um, setting priorities for work, uh, following a syllabus and following different types of syllabi because they're not all the same and maybe making changes to them or adding things to them to make it work for you finding a balance of ownership regarding papers so that things get handed in when they're supposed to, so that they get filed appropriately or put into a portfolio or whatever after the fact, the general time management thing of recognizing the boundaries of your teachers or if you're doing a group project um, with other kids, the the scheduling things and not waiting till the last minute. In fact, we devoted an entire podcast episode to con- what do we call it? conquering crunch time craziness. I think so. If if your homeschool struggles with last minute, uh ah, burn the midnight oil to make this thing happen, um, you might want to listen to that podcast episode because there are some there's some good strategies for working backwards from a deadline and helping kids learn how to do that effectively. And then parents owning their piece of it to have the supplies in place that your students need, including printer, ink, and paper, and the books for classes, and appropriate communication with outside teachers. Regardless of what your basic personality type is, there will be some bumps in that road Because teens are teens and they don't have years and years of adult experience having to deal with this stuff. And so it may be a little bumpy from time to time and you need to work on those things. Exactly. So we hope that um, this coming into life skills in the high school arena ends up being a really solid foundation block for life skills for adulting. Because there will be lots of deadlines and communication and paper trails and time management all to be done in life forever and ever. Amen. So <laughs> we hope this has been a practical episode for you. And um, again, if you are looking for more on this, you can visit sevensistershomeschool.com. And in the e store, there is a freebie download called Scheduling Backwards. That uh, is a great tool for conquering crunch time craziness if you struggle with working back from deadlines. So we encourage you to take advantage of that. And if you have ideas for things that you found your teen really benefited from in terms of life management in the high school years, uh, shoot us an email or leave a comment or... um, yeah, shoot us an email. Oh, or, or Facebook. There we go. That's the other one. I'm like, I know there's a third one that I'm supposed to say. Our Facebook page for the Homeschool High School podcast. And um, share your ideas because we all do Homeschool High School better when we look out for one another and share ideas. So um, thank you for joining us. And we will see you next time on the Homeschool High School podcast from 7SistersHomeschool.com brought to you by the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.